Live with CDP Sports Talk, a weekly sports and entertainment podcast sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet. Live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn. And on audio via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Anchor FM, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Radio Public, and TuneIn. Now, here's your host, Chris Palme. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 25 of Live with CDP Sports Talk, brought to you by Barry Cullen Chevrolet, 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. Check out barrycullen.com for the newest selection of new and pre-owned GM vehicles, or give them a call at 519-824-0210 and tell them Chris Palme, a.k.a. CDP, say yeah as well. And also, guys, you can also now pre-order the all-electric Silverado pickup truck or the all-electric Cadillac Lyric, or in, in some cases, look at the uh, 2023 Chevy Trailblazer RS model, which I just recently purchased uh, two weeks ago uh, from Barry Cullen Chevrolet and Nathan Laud. And a shout out to their other car sales consultant, Elizabeth, as well. So uh, either check out Nathan or Elizabeth at Barry Cullen Chevrolet. Uh, good customer service, good product. And I really want to say thank you to uh, the Barry Cullen uh, dealership for sponsoring live with CDP Sports Talk. And uh, guys, I'm looking forward to my guest tonight. Uh, his name is a Adam Levi. He's a contributing writer for the National Lacrosse League, and he's also the host of his own podcast show called the uh, Lacrosse Matrix Podcast. And he used to be a former beat writer for the Vancouver Warriors and the uh, Colorado Mammoths as, as well. So I'm really looking forward to bringing on Adam tonight and talking about the National Lacrosse League and uh, some of the differences between uh, field lacrosse and box lacrosse, which is indoor. One sec, guys. I'm going to bring on Adam Levi. Good evening, Adam. How are you doing? I'm really good, Chris. How are you doing today? Uh, not too bad on this Wednesday. It's uh, about 55 degrees here in Ontario. It is uh, a little bit colder than that here in Vancouver, Canada, where my wife and, and our, our kids, where we live. But uh, I can't complain. It's uh, not a rainy day in Vancouver, which you don't get a lot of in the winter. Uh, we're actually speaking of rain. We're getting a lot of rain tomorrow and freezing rain as well. Oh, well, that that does not sound like a lot of fun at all. So, uh, how's everything going with you? And, uh, uh, just briefly, can you just tell my audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, it's, uh, the busiest year that I've ever had in the national lacrosse league. And I'm, uh, always, uh, happy to, to speak about how grateful I am to, to have the opportunity to, to have so many hats in the ring for, uh, covering the national lacrosse league, whether that's writing for NLL.com now as a contributing writer which I've been doing for about five years now. And then also now writing for IL Indoor, uh, part of Inside, uh, Inside Lacrosse, which is a, a great lacrosse website. And I know they're trying to grow the box game with IL Indoor. So it's great to be part of that team this year. And then also doing some contributing writing for the National Lacrosse League Players Association, um, which is great to be working with uh, Reed Bow, uh, excuse me, uh, Reed Reinhold and Zach Courier, as well as I do the um, those fun fact Fridays that you see uh, every week on their Twitter. I I help them with that. Uh, you know, stats are stats are a lot of what I do, and um, I also host the Lacrosse Matrix podcast, which I started last February. So I've been doing it now for over a year, and it combines my 
my passions for storytelling as well as statistics. And uh, it's been a lot of fun to to do that. And so to be doing all of those things at once, it's it's definitely a lot, but I love this game and uh, I love all the coaches and players. And, and I, as I said at the start, I'm so grateful for for everyone that that has been around um, the league and has given me these opportunities to to be part of the game. When you were growing up, um, did you have a, a specific favorite lacrosse player? I didn't. Uh, well, that's that's not entirely true. I did. I uh, grew up watching the field game, and uh, my dad was an All-American lacrosse player at Trinity College in Hartford, Connecticut back in the day. I'm not going to uh, reveal his age, although I kind of did in one of my previous episodes of my podcast, so I guess you can go check out how old he is on that episode. But back in the day, he used to be an All-American, and um, it was one thing that my dad and I connected on when I was young, he was a sports fan. I was a sports fan. And because he was a lacrosse player, he introduced me to the game and we would watch the NCAA tournament together. And they also, my dad has a lot of affiliations with Johns Hopkins. And so we followed Hopkins as a sport. My grandfather was also a player for Hopkins uh, about a century ago. And so, yeah, it was, um, Sorry, that's uh, my wife just giving me a call. <laughs> no worries. And, and uh, yeah, so we used to watch Hopkins all the time. And and when I was young, Paul Rabel was the star. Uh, Kyle Harrison and Paul Rabel were the guys for Hopkins winning them championships. And so Paul Rabel was my favorite lacrosse player growing up. And uh, it's amazing to see what he's gone on to do now with the Premier Lacrosse League and uh, obviously become a great businessman, very strategic, very savvy. Um, and you know, it's, uh, but he also, I should say has a, has a very, um, cherished career in the box lacrosse game. He played in the NLL, uh, and actually won a championship, uh, with the Washington stealth, I believe it was in 2010. So it's nice to know that he has dabbled in box lacrosse and it'd be great if, uh, if he, was promoting the box lacrosse game as much as he was promoting the field lacrosse game. I know that some people think of them as competitors, but I think that both leagues can coexist. And I think that, uh, you know, when you've been part of a league, it's uh, important to to pay tribute to that. So, you know, I guess that is my message to Paul Rabel, my favorite player growing up. Question for you. Obviously, box lacrosse is played in hockey arena-sized hockey arenas. Now, field lacrosse, what is the dimensions of the field for field lacrosse? That I don't know the specific dimensions, but I know that it's the the size essentially of a soccer field or a football field, mostly a football field. Think about it that way. Uh, they put the goals a little further up, so it's that general size. It is. Uh, they're starting, especially if you look at the Premier Lacrosse League, they're starting to speed the game up a lot, uh, it, incorporating different rules, doing different things that way. But it is a much slower, less physical game if you're comparing it to the box lacrosse game. And I can say through my years as a writer for the National Lacrosse League, you know, if I've talked to guys like uh, Max Adler, who plays for the Buffalo Bandits face-off guy, or Trevor Baptiste, uh, some of these other guys who have not played box lacrosse really before uh, they join the National Lacrosse League in the recent years. They'll tell you how much more grueling, physical, and uh, demanding the box game is than the field game. And you really have to adjust in terms of the quickness, in terms of the size of the field, which obviously there you're looking at in box across the size of essentially a hockey rink. Um, obviously, you're not on the ice, but yeah, that size. So very different 
and you're making a lot of different adjustments and much more physical, I think is, is another one of the key components there. So when it's taking a toll on your body, it's, um, you're definitely going to have to change and adapt the style that you play with. Now, uh, also, is it, is it, it's filled across also four quarters, 15 minutes as well? Yes. Uh, yeah. And they, they do do that in uh, college as well as the premier lacrosse league. I believe I, I have to say, I do not watch that much of the premier lacrosse league anymore. I know that they're trying to adapt with certain rules and, and things like that, but yes, generally that is the case. The NL has been a while around the wild, but it was another league, uh, had another name before the NL. What was that name again? The major indoor lacrosse league. Um, but it wasn't, um, it was more of just kind of a brand change. It was still very much the same game. You know, when this game was created, uh, 35 years ago, it was, uh, uh, Russ Klein and, and, um, I'm forgetting Fritz is the other name. He, uh, these two gentlemen, what they wanted to do was that they wanted to create a product on the floor that was very exciting and engaging for fans. So I, I, I've read that, you know, they wanted to make it like like a party atmosphere, something much more than just watching a sporting event. And that's something that has stayed true to today. If you ever watch or especially if you go to a lacrosse game, a, a box lacrosse game, which I know you have, Chris that uh, it's a very exciting and, and uh, energetic atmosphere. Everyone's so exciting. There's loud music. There's all kinds of uh, lasers and cool things going on around the stands. It's really interactive. And then, of course, there's the action on the floor, which you could argue is more electric than what's going on outside of the box. Yeah, and uh, I went to my first lacrosse game ever uh, last January in Hamilton to see the uh, San Diego Seals. And the uh, Toronto Rock, and I loved it. I had a great time. And then uh, John uh, Gerkler, the voice of the uh, Buffalo Bandits, had me come down and cover the Bandits-Rocks game, uh, one of the premier matchups in the press box there. And it was such a great time. Uh, it's not just the music, but Chris Watson, their PA announcer who I've had on my show, uh, great. John was really great. And uh, I even got to speak to John Tavares and Steve Perlo Perlolo. I think that's his name. Yeah, I got to speak with them in the uh, post-game conference show. They basically treated me like one of my own, and I really appreciate the opportunity that John and the Bandits and the National Lacrosse League has uh, given me as a freelance media member. Yeah, they, they're a great organization. Obviously, they've also been one of the premier winning organizations over the and well the entire national lacrosse league but particularly if you want to look over the last four years in terms of win loss although they've lost in a couple of finals there but i know that they are hungry to win another nll championship john tavares and his crew back in the 90s winning multiple titles in a row and they were unstoppable much like the toronto rock in the early 2000s they they had a bit of a dynasty there as well. So it's it's great when guys who have been around the game for as long as guys like John Tavares and, and people like that are still so passionate about growing the game and, and getting new faces around the game and, and being so open that way. And, you know, it's interesting that you bring up John uh, because he obviously holds the NLL all-time scoring record with 1,749 points. And if you uh, look at what LeBron James just did in the NBA, setting the all-time points record, you know, you think uh, who could ever break John Tavares' record right now? It's at 1,749 points. But when he broke it, 
Uh, it was Gary Gates' record at 1,091 points. And so it's just an interesting thought as to, you know, when you look at the stars of the game at different different points of their career, is there anyone that could do it? I, I don't know. I, I could probably try and break it down statistically, but it's uh, definitely uh, an interesting question, and I think it's always going to be one for debate until someone really steps up. One name comes in mind, and I might be a little biased being a Bandits fan as well, is a, a great Dane Smith who's from uh, nearby Kitchener, Ontario. Dane Smith is definitely a great talent and could definitely do it. The thing about Dane Smith is that, and if you look at other guys that have been around the league as long as Dane has, you know, a, a guy like Curtis Dixon comes to mind or a Dane Doby is that Dane right now looks to be in, in the peak of his career. So I think you definitely have a case there as to, um, you know, what, what he could do. Dane, obviously at 30 years old, so he still potentially has many more years left. Uh, so he could be the guy that does it. Another name could be Tom Schreiber, um, you know, who's, uh, also around that age, or even if you want to go as young as Jeff T who is 25, but he's just starting in his career. You know, he has just uh, only in his second season, but the way that he's averaging points right now, I think if he was continued at the pace that he's scoring points now, he would finish um, with something like 140 points, and then that would bring his average in his career over two seasons to about 125 points per game, which is just unheard of. I mean, that that's I, it's hard to imagine that that would be sustainable uh, for a long time in his career. But I think that you're right. Dane Smith is one of those guys in that conversation. And boy, would that be exciting, you know, much like Kareem being passed by LeBron, same team, you know, could Dane having spent his career in Buffalo and same with John Tavares having spent his career in Buffalo, could there be a passing of a torch there as well? That'd be a great story for sure. Do you consider John Traveris the greatest uh, indoor lacrosse player of all time? And right now, who would you say would be the consensus face of the National Lacrosse League right now, currently? The face of the National Lacrosse League, I'm not sure is necessarily who is the best player in the National Lacrosse League right now. Uh, being part of IL Indoor, I know that we did uh, our top 50 players coming into this season. And it was a pretty unanimous vote for number one for us. And that was Zach Courier. And that was mostly because of the different ways in which he can be successful on the floor. He's taking a bunch of face-offs for the Calgary Roughnecks. He's causing so many turnovers at a historic rate. Last season, he set the single season record for caused turnovers in one season, beating Kyle Rubish's record. And that's another record of 62 caused turnovers that no one thought would ever be beat. I mean, it's, it's an insane number. Um, so the fact that he's doing that scoring points, um, he, he does a little bit of everything and does it so well, plays good defense, moves the ball up. He's, uh, he's a really amazing, complete player. And so I think that he is who I would say is the, the best player in the national lacrosse league right now. I think that the face of the league though is Jeff T. And I think that that's hard to deny just because of, of the star power and the status that he had coming into the league already. And then, you know, what he's done around the lacrosse world. And then on top of that, what he's already achieving, I mentioned, you know, he's on pace for, for a record setting season in points. And, you know, at, if he can get back to back a hundred point seasons in his first two years, I mean, this, we're talking about things that have never been done before. So, I mean, it's pretty remarkable 
uh, to see what he's doing. And I think that the Riptide, uh, if he if he stays with the Riptide for the remainder of career of his career, are definitely in a great position with him. Overall thoughts on the New York Riptide. Can this franchise stay there long term? And uh, what do you think of some of the changes uh, with the uh, management team so far this year with the Riptide? Well, so what I think, and and you've seen this uh, particularly also with the Vancouver Warriors, I think that there's something to be said when things really aren't going well. Uh, there's no point in sports to keep trying to make it work. Uh, at some point, you know, this is a business and this is also the everyone's trying to win championships. And so when you look at the pieces that they have, there's a lot of great talent, but their biggest issue has always been kind of it's been goaltending. I think that's the biggest issue that they've had defense in front of them as well. And then there is also the aspect of they are a younger franchise. You know, there's the, the maturity and the experience that comes with playing in box, but if you look at other teams, maybe like, let's say Panther city, you know, after they had their rough start in their first year, I think they lost six of their first seven games. They've been pretty good. And they're even right in the thick of things right now with great young talent. So I think that if things aren't working year after year, you need to make a change. Uh, and I think that whatever, whatever they decide going forward, if they're going to keep Rich Lisk is general manager, although I don't think that that's what's going to be happening in the future. I think that there's a lot of uh, potential uh, possibilities for a lot of success there. And it's a great destination. Sure, it's Long Island, which is not New York City, but it's really right outside of New York City. And if you look at, uh, you know, I, I grew up in New York City, so I can say, and I also went to college in Long Island. And I know that with big universities like Adelphi University, like Hofstra University, Stony Brook, they're, you're, you're talking about tens of thousands of very uh, young kids who want to see an exciting product, something to do on a Saturday maybe that's different uh, and even maybe more affordable than going into New York City, taking the LIR, the Long Island Railroad into the city, and then spending way too much money in New York, which is a very expensive place to be. So... I think that there's ways to market to them. And I think that there's ways to market to the people of Long Island who are very passionate about their sports when their team is winning. If you look at when the Islanders were successful back in the day, people really got behind that team. And that's, that's kind of how New Yorkers work. Um, they're very loyal, especially if you can prove more consistently that you're capable of winning. They'll stick with you through the bad years, but you got to show that you can win consistently first before they really say, Hey, I'm going to spend the time to do that. So I think it is very, very plausible and very easy. I think to get enough fans in the seats. If you look at uh, how New York city is constructed, Queens and Brooklyn are on the same body of land as Long Island is. There's just border differences. And those two boroughs of, of New York City have about four and a half million people in them. You know, that arena holds 20,000 people. And, and if they don't want to have, you know, all the seats available, 15,000 people for a game, I don't think that it's that hard necessarily to get enough people in the stands to get excited about the sport. One thing I wanted to bring up with you too is I, I know in the past they had 
teams relocating. I think that kind of hurts the league long term uh, in the short term when they relocate to different cities. And uh, I find uh, for a league to be successful long term, uh, stability is huge as well. Obviously, sometimes you have to move a franchise. You don't have a choice. It's just not working there. But ideally, it's nice to have stability with the, with the league. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is and that has always been the league's goal. I don't think that uh, there has been necessarily any uh, intentionally uh, reckless decisions from from my perspective, at least on on teams moving. I think it comes down to, you know, scouting certain markets. But lacrosse is not like basketball. It's not like the NFL. It's not like. Uh, the NHL, where you have a sport that is so ingrained in, in culture and, you know, that no matter where you go, you could probably make it work. It's a, it's a sport that you need a lot of education on, that people need to understand what's going on. And, you know, even for lacrosse, you do have those two different versions of the game. You have field lacrosse and you have box lacrosse. And so it becomes very difficult to... Uh, for fans in the U.S. who maybe know the field game to then say, hey, here's a totally new version of the game, box lacrosse, and then make it work. So it is a much more complicated task. And I think that, you know, unfortunately with moving, you're just trying to find, you know, what sticks, what works. And I think that there have been a lot of scenarios where it does work. I think Vegas is going to be a great market. I think that that's a very successful choice. And you've seen how fans have been so hungry for sports teams. Look at all the teams that have moved there over the years, uh, the recent years, and it's been really successful. So I think that that's going to be great. San Diego, it's an amazing market. Uh, I know that, you know, Pachanga might not necessarily be the best arena to be in, but it's an amazing destination. And it's uh, it's a great place that I know players want to go to. I know it's hard to, you know, especially so many teams and so many of the, these guys are from Eastern uh, Eastern New York or, or Canada, and it's cold during the winter when the NLL season is happening. I would love to be in San Diego and be there and, and in, in the warm, go in the water, do all that stuff, and then play the sport that I love. That would be amazing. And you've seen how that attracted so many great players this offseason. So I think that that market has so much potential. You see the World Games coming there uh, next summer, or this summer, excuse me, and it's uh, it's definitely got a lot of potential. And I think that as I, I think that right now also the league is looking to stay put in terms of the teams that they have. So, you know, we'll see what happens going forward, but I think that there are a lot of good pieces uh, here, franchises and good cities. And I think that we're going to see a lot of growth over the next few years. Okay. Cause I was just going to save this question for last, but we kind of transitioned into it now. Um, obviously I was, I was seeing right now the league has 15 teams, uh, eight in the East, seven in the West. And I, I wanted to ask you, where did you see the national lacrosse league possibly expanding to a 16th team, uh, next or in the next couple of years and could Seattle or Edmonton be possible locations? Obviously a 16th team, uh, would probably most likely go in the West to balance the league out at eight, eight, eight teams each. Yeah, I think that there's there's quite a few destinations that I think should be either re-explored because the NLL has had teams there in the past, or I think, you know, new markets that could work. Obviously, you mentioned Edmonton. I think Seattle would be fantastic and could create a really good rivalry with the Vancouver team. And you see how successful that is in the MLS. You know, they've got 
uh, their own little trophy that they compete for, I believe, between the Portland Timbers, the Vancouver Whitecaps, and the Seattle Sounders. And there's a huge rivalry there, the Cascadia Cup, I believe it's called. And uh, so that's very exciting and promising. And Portland in itself, they used to have a team for a couple of years and they, you know, I think it's a, it's a, I've been to Portland. It's a great city. It's a, 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 there are enough people there that like sports. You see what that, what happens with the trailblazers, a great crowd. I think that that is a great potential, but also going back to Minnesota, the team was so well liked there when the swarm were there initially before they moved to Georgia. And I know that so many of those fans would love a team again. So that's another destination. Um, and so I think that those are definitely four cities that could join the West. Uh, now I have no idea when that would be. Obviously a lot of people would like things to be evened out, especially it would mean maybe that we don't have to think about this playoff format where five teams can get in the East and only four can get in the West or four or three teams can get in the West because of the way that the playoff structure is right now, it'd be nice if it was just four and four and getting an eighth team in the West could do that. But I uh, don't know that there are any particular plans as of now. Uh, I wouldn't say that I'm the the biggest insider of that matter, but I would also say that I think that 15 teams seems to be the right fit for right now in the National Lacrosse League. And there was two other teams in the East I would love to see again a team. Uh, one would be in Montreal. And Detroit, I think Detroit had a lacrosse team, I believe, back in the 90s, I believe. They played at Joe Louis Arena. And uh, I think if they had the right ownership, uh, they could play their games at Little Caesars Arena where the Red Wings and the uh, Pistons are. That's just my opinion about that. Yeah, I believe it was the Detroit Turbos, if I'm correct. And uh, yeah, that was uh, that would be a great market as well. But Montreal is uh, to create another Canadian team. And I think it's important also, while we're growing the game in the United States, this is growing box lacrosse. Box lacrosse is a Canadian version of the sport. So to have a lot of Canadian teams, especially in the big markets, I think is very important for Canada. It's important for lacrosse, and it's important for the National Lacrosse League. And uh, it was uh, James Beers that, I believe that's his name, was the founder of uh, the modern version of box lacrosse. Uh, and he really went out of his way to to make that a big thing in Montreal way back in the day. And so I think that it's important to to go back to your roots often to to do that. And there was the Montreal Express. I believe that was the team there. And, uh, you know, I there there's a lot of potential to to bring a team to Montreal. But as we've talked about or as I've alluded to with growth, I think that we do need to be to be cautiously optimistic about the growth of the game and and first try and figure out, the markets that we are in right now, how do we grow them so that uh, there isn't uh, instability going forward? Because right now you're also seeing that there there might be a thinning of, of talent in the pool of who you can really pick to, to create uh, a balanced league. And I know that the NLL has long prided itself on the parity in the league because of the tremendous pool of talent. But the more teams that you had, that's obviously going to change. And that's obviously going to make it very difficult for fans in certain cities to have to suffer through tough seasons because of it. One thing I wanted to ask you, and this is not just for me, but for people that are watching or listening to this podcast later, what is a typical roster size, a roster size for an NL team? And do they have a, a taxi uh, practice squad as well? So they do have a practice squad. Again, I don't know those exact numbers on that, but I believe that the roster is about 18 to 20 guys. And then you have 
of a handful of guys that can be on the practice roster. Again, there's a couple guys that can be on the injured reserve. And so there is that there. And that's also grown over the years. And so uh, when, for example, when I go to Warriors games, uh, you see so many guys sitting in the press box, uh, you know, they're, they're either injured or, you know, they're, they're just on the roster, but not on the active roster right now. And it's uh, definitely the roster sizes are big enough to, to give enough opportunity to new and young players. And uh, also, how do contracts work in the NLL? And is there some kind of a salary cap for each team? There is. So, so admittedly, I would say that in, especially in terms of salary cap and contractual issues, a guy that you might want to have on the show would be Evan Schemenauer. He is an expert on that. He's based in the Saskatoon area. Uh, the contract negotiation stuff is a little bit out of my purview there, but uh, I know that there are uh, salary caps in a sense that teams are limited to uh, not spending in essence, like you could, um, let's say, in soccer. Definitely. And um, the National Lacrosse League, I guess, what was it, August 2022, just recently, uh, named their new commissioner. Thoughts on the new commissioner and overall uh, thoughts on how the league's going forward, especially in this season? Yeah, I, well, first I would say I think that uh, I, I was very grateful to Nick Sikiewicz and, and everything he did, the previous commissioner, uh, you know, for, for keeping me on and, and, you know, allowing me to write and cover the national lacrosse league. So I'm very grateful to everything he did. And he was, you know, one of those pioneers, he was someone who really wanted to expand the game and, and you saw how many teams joined under his leadership. So there is a, a lot of his footprints, uh, left in the national lacrosse league, even though he has moved on, but I have to say, I'm a really big fan of Brett fruit. I think that, uh, not only his his history in the game, you know, he has he has a history of of lacrosse and and understanding lacrosse and understanding people and and how they they follow it and love sports with his background in NASCAR and things like that. And I think that you can you can see that he's very focused and determined on being uh, a thoughtful but also uh, calculated commissioner, not wanting to to really blow things up right away, kind of just to to feel his way out so he's making the best decisions possible. And, you know, I can also say in the new leadership uh, with um, the National Lacrosse League Players Association with uh, Reed Reinhold and Zach Currier coming in in the last two years as well, that with these new leadership groups, uh, both for the players and for the league, I think we're we're headed in a really great direction of of great leadership and smart decision making going forward. Thoughts on the uh, marketing overall of the league, and also I wanted to bring this up with you as well, uh, Adam. Uh, the deal with ESPN Plus and TSN and TSN.ca uh, for TV coverage, and do you feel uh, there should be more radio coverage of uh, the NLL? I know the Buffalo Bandits uh, have their games on the radio on WGR or fifteen twenty The Bet with uh, John Garkler and Randy and stuff. But I just wanted to get your overall thoughts on the deal with ESPN. And TSN for coverage. Yeah, I think that uh, it's an amazing deal. I think it's an amazing partnership, and it's really good to see TSN and ESPN really stepping up and and really doing a lot for box across. Uh, you've now actually started to see. I don't know if you know this, but you started to see TSN put 
up the NLL.com articles on their page for the, in, if you go to the lacrosse section of their page. So general fans of, of TSN and, and wanting to use them as a platform for sports information can learn about the national cross league. I think that's great. I think showing it on television and, you know, getting more eyeballs on the sport is great. I know from personal example, I have a, I have a golden retriever and uh, I go to the park and I, I walk the golden retriever and I'm always like, Oh, well, you know, I know that you guys don't know box lacrosse, but if you want to get a taste of it, you know, you can watch the game on TSN uh, this weekend or whatever it is. And just to be able to say that, you know, instead of say, Oh, well, you know, you know, you'll have to get a subscription to this and then you'll have to pay that. And it's like, that's a little bit more complicated or go to the stadium, something like that. So for it to be on television uh, for so many viewers to see is so great. And, and the way that they've, they've backed the national lacrosse league is really incredible. So amazing partnership. And I, I can only see that uh, being more successful as the years go on. And uh, live streaming now is huge as well. So when you have a sports league, uh, getting your product on live stream is important as well. And uh, I'm I'm sort of lucky here because I'm close enough to to the Rock and also the Bandits and stuff like that. But if people see your product on TV or live stream, in this case, uh, they'll they'll look at it and watch it as well, as, and maybe want to go to a live game. Yeah, and the thing is that how do you recreate? Because I think that. One thing that's interesting about the National Lacrosse League and the way that TSN and both ESPN do it is that they'll give you some good camera angles. But I think that, like I was saying before, not only about the history of the game, but the environment that it's trying to create, it's very different than any other major sports league. So, you know, it's about how do you convey what's going on in the arena as, as, um, to the best of its ability. And I think that that's something that, you know, I think it was Teddy Jenner had said in a hot take about, you know, the, the noise level. And, and I know I'm probably misquoting this, but it's the, the noise level, especially when you're listening on the broadcast, it can be tough to hear the broadcaster when you're watching or for them to hear what's going on because it's so loud. And I know that there, there are ways for broadcasters to be able to, to maybe hear better, but to, to convey the fact that it's, so loud sometimes and, and so electric in, in, in an environment, you know, how do you get that to the fans through the television or through the live stream? It's uh, something that I think is being worked on. And I think that it's definitely, if you're going to watch a sporting event, especially with the ticket prices and the deals that they have for food and everything like that, you know, just, just take a shot. Even if you don't know the sport, like it's, it's an, a night out with friends. It's never a bad time. No one's ever said, I went to a National Lacrosse League and I ri a game and I hated it or I didn't like it. They, they could say it's not my cup of tea, but it's so fun. It's so energetic. It's so great that especially if you're going with other people, you're just going to you're going to vibe off of that energy and really enjoy what you're watching and enjoy being there. I think look, indoor lacrosse is a combination of a little bit of hockey and basketball. And I know before I started following a couple of years ago, I had people say, oh, lacrosse, it's a goon sport. Everyone fights and stuff. Okay, there are some scrummages and some fights in there, but it's a lot of skilled. These guys have to be in great physical condition, and it is a skilled sport. And uh, it's it's not like oh, it's not like bench clearing bras. It is a physical sport, but I think sometimes it gets a bad rep uh, from people that are non fans in it. And now that I've been following it for a year and a half and going to games, I, I really I actually find it more exciting than going to hockey games right now. 
Yeah. And I think, I think the fighting, it's definitely, uh, less and less than it used to be. Uh, and that's, you know, some people say, well, let's, let's get more fighting. Some people say, let's get less. I think that, you know, in my personal opinion, I think that fighting is part of the game. And I think it's also a strategic part of the game. It's not just that, that these are gladiatorial like men who are using these, these sticks as weapons and hitting each other and playing Mm -hmm. very physical and then getting angry. It's, you know, I am competing for my team, for my brothers, and I'm going to do everything that I can to win for them. And sometimes that means sticking up for someone who gets hit in maybe a way that you don't like. And that sends a signal to the other team, and that can change the momentum of a game. And the other thing is that when you look at the small, tight-knit community of box lacrosse, a lot of these guys play with each other over the summer. They know each other uh, because they're from the same city or from the same community. And so, sure, maybe they'll fight. The refs will break it up. But then they'll even, like, they'll fist bump. It's not like they're like, man, I hate you. Like, you're the worst guy in the world. They're doing it because they're saying, hey, like, just watch what you're doing. Don't don't step on any toes or else I'm going to be there and, and be there for my guy. And this summer I was able to, uh, I do camera work uh, with the local university here, but with Rogers TV as well. And I went down to Oshweekin, which is near Brantford. And uh, I, I filmed the game of the camera operator, uh, Six Nations lacrosse game. And uh, you wouldn't believe how the, the small arena sold out and how passionate the fans are there. And uh, I saw so many guys from the Bandits and the Rock there, uh, Doug Jabinson, uh, Matt Vince, and there's a couple other guys from that league playing in the summer league in a, in a little small uh, arena in a small community as well. And it was a great experience. And uh, for camera guys, uh, filming lacrosse is not easy because that little white ball is not easy to pick up on the camera always. Yeah, and 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 again to that point, so much credit to the camera crews of the ESPN, TSN, and and all the broadcasts that show these games. They they never miss a beat. They never uh, miss any of the action. They're always there. Uh, of course, you know I think when it comes to instant replays, there's more cameras and more technology that can be put in that instance. But uh, when you're talking about the product on the floor, it's really uh, it's it's fantastic. So I think that you're right, and those guys need a lot more credit. But to your point about the small arenas, I mean, there are places, like you said, uh, out east. uh, You think about Peterborough as well. You think about Victoria here out west or New Westminster. Those arenas are are some of the most amazing places to be in the summer. It's really a special environment, and it's where a lot of those guys grew up. And they they have their family there, and they're the friends of family. So it's a really cool experience. And, you know, I would say that if you you also want to just get introduced to box lacrosse, go check out a summer game. Very, very accessible, easy to get to. So do that. And, you know, maybe that'll introduce you to some of the NLL guys and you'll be like, hey, you know, these are these are summer guys, but I want to see the best of the best play. And and that's in the NLL. And so go do that. And what I like about the NLL and, and lacrosse general, especially the box lacrosse, I feel like it's a fans game. Like the fans can relate to the players because unlike the other sports, like the NFL guys, the NBA guys, the, the multi-millionaires, billionaires, and the fans can't really relate to them. These guys are blue-collared guys that have uh, part-time or full-time jobs on the side as well. And that's that's one of the reasons that I – want to be around the NLL. I want to be around the lacrosse environment. Uh, My degree from Adelphi University is at sports management. And I remember taking uh, a court, uh, a course in sports agency. um, And it was taught by a soccer agent. And he was talking about 
you know, how they negotiate for contracts. And it's like, oh, well, this guy wanted to to get seven million, but they were all only offering six point four. And it's like at that point, I realized I don't I don't want to be doing that. Like I, I love sports and I love sports because of the people in them. And at some point, I think that there's too much money in sport. But the way that, you know, the amount of effort that these guys in the National Lacrosse League put in, you know, they're, they've got families. A lot of them have second jobs and then they're still following their passion of playing lacrosse. There is no, there are no athletes in the world that should be admired more than these guys. And uh, the fact that they, they give it their all 150% every single week. It's really incredible. And that's why I love telling their stories, stories that aren't heard nearly enough around the sports world. And it's uh, it's something that I hope one day these guys can get the appreciation and even maybe let's say the, the financial appreciation that they deserve going forward. And I know that for them, it's it while money would be great, while fame would be great, they're just so happy to be playing lacrosse and and that's just so amazing, and it's palpable, and I love it. Does the NLL have a, a players association, like a, a association or a union, and do they have a, a collective bargaining agreement with the league as well? They do, yeah. So that they, they, I work for the, I, I am a contributing writer for the the National Lacrosse League Players Association, which is uh, Zach Courier of the uh, Calgary Roughnecks is the president, and Reed Reinhold is the vice president there. Uh, there is a CBA. There's actually a new CBA that I believe was uh, reached within the last year and a half, I believe it is. And so there there are new ways of generating revenue, not only for players and the league and negotiating that. And it's it's always very difficult, especially when you are not one of the major leagues, maybe to to come up with numbers that that work for everybody. But I know that Zach and Reed are are working very hard to do whatever they can for the players. And so there is that structure there. Both uh, Zach and Reed, very, very capable, very smart guys uh, with great uh, backgrounds in law and and ability to communicate with people. And so they they are great people to have running the National Lacrosse League Players Association, as well as they've got treasurers and other people running things as well. And and all of the people at the NLLPA are doing everything that they can to, to benefit the players. Because I know some of the guys that work with the NLLPA these are also former players and, you know, they've set, told stories about when they played, they were making a hundred bucks a game and that was, that was it. And, you know, so the, the amount that the league has changed uh, it's uh, it's really great to see. And I think that the, both uh, the, the relationship between the PA and the NLL with these new leadership groups, I think they both want the same thing. Everyone wants to move forward in the best way possible. And I, I can only imagine that, with these two new leadership groups that everything is, is going to be great for the NLL going forward. One question I wanted to ask you as well, Adam, is when these guys are on the road, um, do they travel together as a team, like on a bus or an airplane, or are the guys responsible for getting their ways to the road games? No, they, uh, these guys, they do travel together. Um, so obviously it depends on the market. So a lot of guys uh, live uh, within the market often. So if you look at a team like Colorado, a lot of guys live within Colorado. They've moved out to Colorado to be there. Uh, a lot of guys are naturally from Vancouver who play for the Vancouver Warriors. Uh, and and so same for the teams out East as well. But yeah, the guys that do need to travel and, or, or if they're on an away game, yeah, they, they fly together. They take buses together. Uh, sometimes uh, if they're all coming from different places, of course, 
then it makes it difficult to to go all as one. You know, everyone has to kind of make it work their own way. You saw that with uh, Callum Crawford not necessarily being in the lineup last week for Panther City, having a difficult travel schedule from Tulsa to San Diego. But, um, you know, it's it's generally the guys who can travel together. They are going to travel together and travel as a team. And then when they have their away games, they have hotels that they stay at. They have roommates that they live with who are on the team that that are really great guys. And so, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely they they try and stick together as much as they can when they're away from their families and away from their jobs. Do you feel the 18 game regular season is enough or do you think eventually they might increase it to, let's say, uh, 26 games uh, regular season in the future? I would not increase it. I think that 18 games is a lot. I think that one thing that would definitely have to change is that the guys would need to get paid enough so that they wouldn't have other jobs if you wanted to really continue it. But I also think that the the sport is just so grueling. It's so intense that, you know, and I'm not, it, you, you even said that there's a little bit of football, there's a little bit of hockey, there's a little bit of all of this. And so to, to be traveling and to be enduring that physically for even 18 games is a lot and players get injured and, and, you know, so many ACL tears, so many severe injuries that happen already. And so how do you, how could you manage that over a longer season? But also you have to think that we talked about the summer leagues, how, the, how do you make that work if the seasons are longer? You know, do you start earlier? Do you, you know, move other things around? How does that work? So it's just, it's an interesting question, but I, I would imagine that the 18 game schedule is pretty solid in terms of the length. And I think that in terms of the physical uh, aspect of how it, it, it impacts players, I think it's quite good. What about the playoff format? I actually liked it last year and it, it just shows you, it doesn't matter if you're a top seed or a lower seed in a best of three, uh, you're gone. I think the opening round is now I'm going to let you t uh, do the talking here. Is the playoff format going to be the same this season as it was last year? It is. Yeah. And um, I think that that's, that's okay. I, I think that it's very exciting when you have a winner take all game. That's very, very exciting. Really great. Uh, I also have to say, though, that it can be, you know, it makes it exciting for if you just get in that one team that maybe barely snuck in can can surprise someone in the playoffs. And that's great. And you see that in the March Madness tournament every year. There's always shockers when it's one game. But I'm a guy I like to see, you know, consistency. Show me what you can do week in and week out. And so I think at least a best of three in every round. Uh, is the way to go, even in a, a championship series. So I would say best of three, best of three, best of three would be my ideal situation. But again, we're looking at, you know, changing schedules, making that work and, and everything like that. And for those that are, that are new to the sport or going to uh, start watching it and listening, watching it, um, what is the name of the NLL championship trophy? Uh, it's called the NLL Cup. It used to be called the Champions Cup. Uh, but then I believe it was 2017 or 2018. It changed to the NLL cup and it is uh, it is a beautiful shiny trophy. Uh, I've heard that. And I, and I could imagine it's a little bit tough to drink out of if you have the privilege of holding it up, but uh, it's definitely uh, it's the beautiful piece of silverware. And I think that, uh, or I know that every single player in the national lacrosse league, they say that's what they play for. It's to, to be a champion 
And I, I know that there would be no greater feeling for so many guys, especially guys in this league who have not yet won a championship. You think about a guy like Brody Merrill, who's been around for 17 seasons and not won, uh, how special it would be for someone like that to win, to win a championship. So, um, I know it's the dream and, and I hope that one day all of these, these legends of the sport do get that privilege to hoist the NLL cup. I know the Toronto Rock have won it six times. The Buffalo Bandits have won it four times. Um, name some other teams that have won the championship trophy a, a number of times as well. So you had the the Rochester Nighthawks. This is the old Rochester Nighthawks. So just a, a, a little bit of clarification. So the new team of the Rochester Nighthawks that you see, they're an expansion team. There was a team called the Rochester Nighthawks before, and that is actually now the Halifax Thunderbirds. And uh, they won three straight cups. I believe it was 2012, 2013, and 2014. Maybe it was 2013, 2014, 2015. Anyway, three straight cups there. And then uh, then in more recent years, you had the Saskatchewan Rush, who had a little bit of a dynasty as well. They won three championships in four years there. Uh, a lot of those guys have now moved on, but you still see some of them, Ryan Dilks, Kyle Rubish still playing for the team, Mark Matthews, who were part of that dynasty and uh, are still trying to win another championship for Saskatchewan. And if you look at what they've done so far this NLL season, they're they're four and two. They look pretty good. So I think that they're doing really well, and uh, I hope that they can uh, have great success again. All right. Adam, are you still okay for time for a few more questions? Yeah, I have a couple more minutes. Sure. Okay, no problem. This one I, I wanted to ask you as well. Um, and I spoke to Pat uh, Greg Gore about this one too. Uh, the Toronto Rock are going to have to relocate for two to three years with the work at First Ontario Centre. Where do you see this team possibly playing their home games uh, for the next two to three years? And do you think do you think they will return to Hamilton uh, in the future once the, the renovations are done for the First Ontario Centre? Well, first of all, what I would say is that I would think, I would hope that they could somehow make their way back to the Toronto area, uh, like specifically in Metro Toronto. I think that would be great. Um, and I, I hope that, you know, to, to be able to play in downtown Toronto, like they did for so many years is, is a fantastic privilege and, and great for the sport. Um, in terms of where they're going to go, I would definitely pass that question along to some of the Ontario and and uh, northeastern uh, lacrosse guys there. That uh, being on the west coast here, I tend to focus uh, on on what's going on with Vancouver and and maybe the other west coast teams. So I would say definitely that is a question for one of the the east coast guys who covers the NLL. Okay, no problem. Because I'm I'm hoping if they do relocate, uh, Kitchener would be great. Because Kitchener uh, is only 20 minutes from Guelph, and uh, I would probably get season tickets in that. But uh, Long term, um, do you feel the Rock do need to be back in Toronto, or do you think if uh, Hamilton updates the arena that it would be a, a good fit for them to stay in Hamilton long term? I think that, and and again, I I haven't actually spent and really any time out east in in the uh, in the Ontario uh, area, and so I don't know how difficult it necessarily is to drive from city to city. Obviously, they they manage with their their minor and and summer lacrosse seasons, and so it's definitely doable. But there's so many hotbeds of lacrosse within the uh, Ontario uh, area, and then so I think that it's definitely very helpful to be based in Toronto. Obviously, again, you know, if I'm talking about 
the the population metrics of uh of new york city and how i think long island could work being closer to downtown toronto i think is just more beneficial uh, especially in markets where they have professional teams and get very excited about about sports so i think that that would be great but i do think that there are other uh smaller areas you know even if you want to say hamilton or you know you you were talking about a couple other places and then even um you know if you look at a peterborough or let's say in orangeville or somewhere like that uh somewhere near these areas that can really get enough people from these other places to make something work i think could work and i i think that uh it's it's just a really good base out there in that southern ontario area with enough pockets of passionate lacrosse fans okay uh another one i wanted to ask you just a couple more quick questions for you adam um i wanted to i'm going to put you on the spot with this uh i've seen the bandits play this year and i know they lost connor fields to roger actually they lost him i believe to vegas and then he ended up getting traded to rochester but are the buffalo bandits still uh, a serious contender for the nll championship in 2023 and do you feel uh dane smith is the most complete player in the national lacrosse league yeah. So, you know, going back to one of the earlier questions, you know, who's the face of the league and who's the best player? Dane Smith is is always right up there, you know, one, two, three of the best players and also great face of the game. Really amazing, personable guy. Uh, so great with the fans, so great with the people. One of the best people in lacrosse to have, especially at the level he's playing at. So, yes, I think that he is. Uh, he's definitely one of the most complete players in the National Lacrosse League. Now, I think complete is a bit of a, you know, as a writer, language is a bit important. So complete, you know, means like how many different things can you do? Obviously, he's an amazing passer. He He's shown his ability to score. But, you know, uh, what other things can he do as well? And that goes back to why Zach Courier, when you look at, you know, his whole resume, I think uh, you, if you want to talk about complete, um, that is is definitely who I think. But is Dane Smith the best offensive player in the National Lacrosse League right now? I think it's it's hard to say that he isn't. Uh, and I do think that the Bandits are very, very much a contender for the cha- NLL championship this year. Uh, the way that they've rebounded after their surprising loss to Albany in that first game, they've really looked uh, very, very tough. So I would say right now your top three contenders are the Buffalo Bandits, the Toronto Rock, and then the San Diego Seals as your top three uh, who who could possibly win the NLL championship this year? Who's the best rivalry in the NLL? I'm I'm saying right now Toronto Buffalo in my in my opinion, but I don't know. I just wanted to ask you who you thought was the best rivalry currently in the league. Toronto Buffalo is really good. Colorado Calgary is really good. Uh, it's always been very good. They play very close against each other all the time, and especially in in recent years, they've both been very good. Um, they and they both won championships in the last four seasons. So those teams, when you get two teams that are viable for NLL championships, like you mentioned, Buffalo and Toronto. And there's that history there. Those those are always going to be the supreme rivalries in the National Lacrosse League. So I would say those two are definitely uh, the most fierce that I see. And uh, Colorado, they're the defending champs, obviously. They're four and three. Do you think they will turn it around and uh, still be a contender? Or do you think being the champion, obviously they got more uh, targets on their back now being the, the champions? So yes, they have more targets being on their back. So it's, it's hard to, 
really talk about the Colorado Mammoth without Ryan Lee. Now, obviously, they did face, they did have, they didn't have, excuse me, Ryan Lee for for some of the playoffs, and they even were missing Eli McLaughlin in the finals for some of that time. But when you have a, a potential MVP candidate and you're missing him for the majority of the season, and I, I haven't spoken to, to Pat Coyle, uh, head coach of the Mammoth recently, but when I spoke to him about a month ago, you know, he was saying that, you know, springtime is, is probably when we could see uh, Ryan Lee back on the floor. And so that, that's a huge miss uh, for a team. Now, the Mammoth are a defensive first team. Dylan Ward, one of the best goaltenders in the world, uh, if not the best goaltender in the world. He's just unbelievable. Uh, and and great veteran defense in front of him. So that that is their strength. But they've really been focusing in recent years of trying to bring in offensive pieces. You've got Eli McLaughlin, Zed Williams, obviously Ryan Lee when he's there, and you know Chris Wardle when he's healthy is a is a great piece as well. And it's how do you get Connor Robinson, another one? How do you get all of those guys uh, the the points and the production that they're capable of? And I think that that's still a work in progress, and it's. How you know, just how do you make that happen? And I think that it they're they've already shown that they can do it. When they get going, they're they're good to go. So I'm not concerned at this point of the season if Colorado uh isn't gonna be a contender. Uh they're still figuring things out. Dylan Ward even missed a game due to injury a couple of games ago. So that that's a huge shot to your team. Uh and one I think once they're fully healthy, once they've really got the ball rolling. Uh, that that they are a very dangerous team, and they're a team that should definitely not be overlooked because of their record so far. Were you able to cover the Colorado Buffalo NLL finals last year in person? Uh, I did not go in person. Uh, so I have a 17-month-old son. Uh, he's 17 months now, and so at the time he was about a year old, and we, I was very busy doing different things for the National Lacrosse League. Uh, Definitely wish that I had gone out there. That would have been amazing. But, uh, you know, I always, uh, I've got three, a total of three kids, uh, my youngest being the 17-month-old. And so we're very busy here at home always. And it's it's important to, to help my wife out when I can and to not be out of the house if I don't have to be or be in the office when I don't have to be. Being a parent, it's a full-time job. And I imagine in the next few years, uh, your kids will end up becoming lacrosse fans as well. I'm trying. Uh, my my 17-month-old Preston, he is uh, – uh, I've taken him to a couple games. I actually took him to the Saskatchewan Rush versus uh, Vancouver Warrior game, and he's uh, he, he's seen me watch enough sports, so he's always fist-bumping, and like he, he gets very excited. He, I don't think he understands necessarily what's going on, but he can feel the energy, and he's just, again, what I said about you know watching an NL game and or going there. Once you feel that energy – it it's palpable and you just want to be part of it. And I think I can even see that with my son. So it's, uh, it's definitely something that, that he loves and I'm glad that he loves it too. Okay. I still have a t- another 10 questions for you, but what we'll do is I'll save them for the next time you come on my podcast show in the future. If, if you're still interested. Of course. Yeah. Anytime you, you want to have me on, we can uh, plan it in advance and uh, yeah, we could, we could talk more about uh, specific storylines, whatever, whatever you want to do. And uh, you know, I, I, I definitely pride myself on, on being a storyteller. And so you can always catch my stuff on NLL.com. I've got a couple of pieces coming out for, for black history month on a couple of 
young players, uh, or one, sorry, veteran player who is a coach now, and then one young player in this league. And that's just a little bit of a tease. I'm not going to say who they are at this point, but those coming out. And uh, then I've always got a weekly piece on uh, IL Indoor, which is a Beyond the Box series. One just came out today on Mitch Jones and that whole trade, which was very interesting. Uh, and then also, you know, uh, the player coverage I do for the PA, I, I, I mostly try and focus on giving players, uh, the platform to tell their stories and, and to, to voice their opinions and to, to do that. So I can make sure that they get the attention and appreciation they deserve. And, uh, last question I wanted to ask you here is again, where can my audience find your podcast show, the lacrosse matrix podcast and, uh, Super Bowl 57 coming up. What's your prediction and who's going to be MVP in that game? Well, I'll start with my prediction. I I will say that I read the uh the supposed script of the of the <laughs> Super Bowl and so uh I I do have to say I like the Chiefs. I'm also my my family grew up in Baltimore. Uh and so being a Ravens fan, they they were my original football team, and so any team that beats or or gets in the way of the Ravens winning a Super Bowl is the team that I'm going to root for. So I'm I'm going for the Chiefs. Uh, I think that it will probably be a very high scoring game, maybe not the 37 34 prediction that is in the script, but well, that is yet to be determined. I think it's going to be a really good game. Uh, I know that the success that Philadelphia has had has surprised a lot of people to be here. So very exciting storyline for them. Uh, you know, as a New Yorker also though, to know how Philadelphia sports fans get when they win, uh, as a New Yorker, it's tough to deal with. Um, you know, I, uh, I've joked with Kevin Crowley, uh, who used to be in Philadelphia and, and he's, he's had a lot of, a lot of his life there started, started a business there, which is now also here out in the West fusion, West lacrosse. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's just very difficult to see Philly sports fans be successful. So I'm going Kansas city. And then as for the lacrosse matrix podcast, uh, you can find that on Spotify or Apple podcasts or anchor. Uh, I would say definitely go to Spotify or Apple podcasts for that one. Uh, and it's, it's just a great listen every week. I always get, uh, two to three players, coaches. I usually get an analyst of the week also to to help break down the the information that the players maybe told me. And we break down stats of whether it's a player hit a certain milestone or a player has uh, been trending in a certain direction. Again, giving them credit and using storytelling as a method to combine with the statistical performances that they've had to really highlight a player's achievements. And so it's been a cool project. So. Apple Podcasts or Spotify for the Lacrosse Matrix Podcast. Uh, episode number thirty-eight is going to be dropping on Friday, and I, I've got Will Malcolm and Jonathan Donville who are going to be featured on that one. Two great young stars for Panther City Lacrosse Club. Is it normally on Fridays, uh, like the regular day Fridays? Uh, so I, I could do a regular day sometimes. Obviously, as you've heard with my schedule and and with things, it's hard to necessarily get it done all on the same day or to to have it posted on the same day. But yes, generally Fridays is the go to uh, get people really excited and interested as a quick listen. 
uh, before games start up. And one thing I also just wanted to mention, because I know so many podcasts, they can be lengthy. And yes, you'll get a lot of information and things like that. But I know that in today's world, it's very difficult to sit down and really focus on a long podcast sometimes. Uh, although, as we've noted, like it's great the amount of information yeah. that we share today is maybe sometimes more valuable than a short podcast, but I tend to keep our, I, I always keep it 30 minutes or less. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to take up any more, any more of people's time than they already maybe don't have. And so it's, it's just a quick 30 minute listen every week. Uh, you'll learn about players. You'll learn about statistics in the national lacrosse league. Uh, it's, it's a fun listen and you'll definitely be learning something every single week. That's great. And uh, that's one thing I love doing about this podcast is uh, learning stuff from my guests, storytelling. And um, I, I do try to be flexible with my guests. And I've been very lucky that a lot of my guests have been able to come on and talk 30 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever time they can give me, I make it work. And uh, I, I really appreciate your time today, Adam. I do apologize if we went over the 40 minutes, but I really enjoyed uh, hearing about your career and about the learning about more about the National Lacrosse League as well. And uh, Pat Gray Gore, I got to give him a shout out as well because he's the one, him and John Gerkler from the Buffalo Bandits are the ones that kind of really got me into the sport. Yeah, Pat. Pat's a great guy, and you know uh, he's doing such amazing things for for the league as an analyst and as a broadcaster. Uh, he is he's really doing some amazing stuff, and I'm I'm very happy for him to be getting all the praise and and uh, the roles that he's getting these days because he he deserves it. He's he's spent his whole life around lacrosse, and it's really great to see all of that. So very good for Pat, and you know so many other great guys around the league. You know if you get ever get the chance to meet. Brad Challoners, Jake Elliott's, uh, Teddy Jenner's. As I said, I had I, I would definitely recommend if you want to talk more the the nitty gritty of contracts and things like that. Get an Evan Evan Schemenauer on the on the show. You know, there's so many smart guys. Ty Merrow is another one. I I do want to give a quick shout out to Ty Merrow and Cooper Perkins, who are really moving the game forward statistically. The way that they're kind of delving into advanced statistics and really. Uh, tracking new metrics that we haven't really been exposed to in the National Lacrosse League. It's it's moving things in the right direction. And like I've said about the leadership group at the NLL, at the NLLPA, right now there's just so many pieces that are moving things in the right direction. And it's, it's hard not to think that things are just going to be really successful in the years to come because of all of the different people uh, whether it's from a league standpoint, team standpoint, that are just doing amazing work. And so it's a, it's a great time to be part of the National Lacrosse League, and it's a great time to be a fan of the National Lacrosse League. And before I wrap it up, there's six games this weekend. And uh, what I like about this league as well, Adam, is a majority of the games are on Friday nights or Saturday. So families and people that are working during the week are able to attend these games as well, which is smart on the league's part. Yeah, it's it is great. There are the occasional Sunday games and we're going to get them uh through the end of February, March and I believe April as well. Uh one usually it's one game uh earlier in the day on a Sunday. Uh but yeah, yeah, the majority of games are on Saturdays and this weekend you've got two on Friday, which is great and it's also great when you get games that don't overlap. So pretty much you're going to get that uh for the majority of Friday's games Toronto versus Georgia and then Saskatchewan and Calgary. So great six games ahead. Um, it'll be interesting. You have, you've got Albany and New York who are obviously looking to 
break out of their skids. Vancouver would love a win on the road against Panther City. Calgary playing two games, which is going to be uh, important for them to, to beat their division rivals, both in the Rush and the Mammoth. Uh, those are both home games, so that definitely helps. So, yeah, a great set of games uh, this weekend, and it's it's going to be another amazing weekend of National Lacrosse League action. And uh, I will continue to watch and continue to be a fan, and I'm hoping to be at a Bandits game either uh, February 18th against Philadelphia or in March as well. And, uh, uh, Adam, I definitely, again, want to say thank you so much for coming on live with CDP Sports Talk today. And uh, I've been very lucky to get a lot of great guests uh, that are involved with the National Lacrosse League and uh, and uh, teaching me and uh, explaining to my audience about the game. And uh, I really appreciate your uh, time again and really enjoyed talking with you uh, this afternoon. Thank you. And I, I, I say the exact same thing back to you. And also thank you so much as a guy who is new in box across to be giving, uh, the analysts and, and people around box across this platform, uh, box across needs all the help it can get to be exposed. Cause once, as we've talked about, once people see it and hear about it, they'll fall in love with it. So thank you for everything that you do to help grow the game. And it's, it's much appreciated. And thank you so much for having me on and, and giving me this platform to share my stories and, and my life as well. You're welcome. And if you can give me about 15 minutes, Adam, I will have this uh, podcast show downloaded to my 14 audio platforms, and I will send you uh, a link as well. And I will uh, copy the uh, National Lacrosse League uh, as well for a link as anybody with the league would like to uh, listen to our podcast show as well. Well, that would be amazing. Thank you so much, Chris. And uh, thank you so much for having me on again. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of the afternoon. And uh, again, uh, thank you for giving me some of your time today. And uh, we'll definitely keep in touch with you on uh, social media and Twitter as well. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much, Adam. Have a good evening. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed Season 5, Episode 25 today with Adam Levi. He's a contributing writer uh, for the National Lacrosse League as well. And before we wrap up this podcast show, guys, I'm just going to show you guys uh, some highlights from the uh, Buffalo Bandits comeback win over the uh, Rochester Nighthawks this uh, past Saturday night in Buffalo. And it was a huge win for the Bandits, who are now 7-2 and and in first place in the Eastern Division in the NLL. One second. And this clip is courtesy of the National Lacrosse. This video clip is courtesy of the National Lacrosse League. And the call is from John Gerkler, uh, the uh, play-by-play voice of the Buffalo Bandits. And John is one of the best in the business. You, know, you, you get the opportunity to get into the NLL, maybe not coming from a traditional box lacrosse, you know, center. Ooh. How about that sneaker by Connor Fields? As this National Lacrosse League continues to expand and the growth, you know, it's at this point, you know, where it's it's not personal, it's business. Boom. Another goal by the Nighthawks, and this one, the crafty moves of Curtis Knight. Yeah, it absolutely did. You know, a 2-1 one, one score after the first. How about that bullet by Connor Fields, second of the night. Judge goes wide. Rebound picked up by Dave Smith. He takes a whack and looks like Bandits will have their first power play of the night coming on. They score! Ready to cross the restraining line of the K-Hawks. Will remain out there as Dane Smith comes in. Scores! Dalton Silver who put the Bandits on a 1-0 lead. 
seems ages ago. Silver again. Silver gets a shot. He's going to lose. Very quickly, Steve Priolo is a part of that one. As is Dylan Robinson. Priolo scores. There's McKay from the slot area, tipping it back over to Dane Smith from the far corner. Scoots out. There's a Brandon shot by Brandon Robinson. Robinson. Rebound scores. Since the brother, tipping it now over to Steve Priolo, who finds an opening to Buchanan. There's a shot on by Sweeney, and he scores. Bryce Sweeney goes with an empty deep. Now back over to Ryan Smith. Seven seconds left on the shot clock. Smith scores. Ryan Smith for the Cayhawks. Putting the Bandits back on the power play from the top of the slot. Cayhawks yeah, scores. As the Bandits go back down into the Nighthawk zone, powering in is Nanakook and the score. Dave Smith as Nanakook sets up. In the momentum, and it's Connor Fields from his position. Nice move by Fields. Shot score! Connor Fields. Now to Dane Smith. Smith from the slaughtery. Looking for his boys to throw, which he does. He scores! To their advantage, if they can get something to the net and get the rebound, get the second opportunity, able to drain another 30. How about that quick stick? Brad McKelly after a laser feed from Dane Smith. The Bandits went on to win that game 15-11 uh, to 11 over Rochester, and the Bandits are now 7-2 and two in the Eastern Conference. Uh, first overall, 7-2. and two. Rochester is 6-2. and two. They've lost two in a row. And the Toronto Rock, the rivals, are 6-2 and two right now. And then Halifax is 4-4. Four and four. Philadelphia is 3-4. Albany is 2-4. New York's 1-6. Georgia's 0-5. The Bandits are off this weekend. The Bandits' next game is Saturday, February 18th, 7.30 at the KeyBank Center when the Bandits take on the Philadelphia Wings. And you can get tickets through Bandits.com. And uh, I would love to come down to the KeyBank Center again to see a Bandits game this year. Uh, and Bandit land, it's a great atmosphere. And uh, Chris Swanson, their PA announcers for 30 years since 1992, does a great job. And their in-game arena host, Allie Brady, does a great job. And obviously, John and Randy do a great job uh, calling the radio and TV play for the Bandits as well. Uh, there are uh, some in, uh, in all games this week, guys. Toronto on uh, Friday takes on Georgia. Saskatchewan takes on Calgary. The Saturday games are Halifax at Rochester, Albany at New York, Vancouver at Panther City, and Colorado at Calgary. And again, thank you to my guest, Adam Levi, a contributing writer with the National Lacrosse League, for coming on live with CDP Sports Talk today. You can follow Adam on Twitter at Adam Levi Sports as well. And you guys can also check out the National Lacrosse League's official website, NLL.com as well. NBL action tonight. 
We have the New Newfoundland TBL team taking on the Windsor Express at 7 p.m. on NBLC TV with play-by-play announcer and my friend of mine, Aaron Sanders. Uh, they will start the broadcast at 6.50, tip-off is at 7 o'clock as well, and it should be a great game tonight between Windsor and Newfoundland at the uh, WFCU Center in Windsor, Ontario tonight. And speaking of that, my next slide with CDP Sports Talk. Brought to you by Barry Cullen Chevrolet, Monday, February 13th at 5 o'clock Eastern with my guest, uh, Tanner Stuckman. He's a six foot nine forward from Quincy, Illinois. He is uh, a forward with the uh, Windsor Express. So looking forward to uh, Season 5, Episode 26, Monday, February 13th at 5 o'clock with Tanner Stuckman, uh, forward with the Windsor Express, and he is from Quincy, Illinois, and we're going to talk to him about the adjustments from uh, playing in the Chicago area to now over in Canada here with the Windsor Express. Looking forward to it. I hope you guys can tune in to that as well. As for Super Bowl 57, guys, this Sunday night, 6.30, from State Farm Stadium in Glendora, Arizona, it'll be the Chiefs and the uh, Eagles. Chiefs are going for their third-ever Super Bowl trophy. The Eagles are trying to win their second in five years. Uh, to answer my questions, the thoughts on here, uh, Kansas City and Philadelphia have never met before in a Super Bowl. This is their first-ever playoff Super Bowl meeting. Kansas City and Philadelphia, in their history, have only played nine times in the regular season. That's it. Nine times, uh, Kansas City leads the series five wins, four losses. And their last meeting was October 3rd, 2021. Uh, Kansas City won 42-30 to 30 over the Eagles at the link. But that was a much different Eagles team and a much different Jalen Hurts as well. And the last time the Eagles beat the Chiefs uh, was, uh, I believe, was September 27th, 2009, uh, 34 to 14 over the Chiefs at Lincoln Financial Field under Andy Reid. Andy Reid coached the Eagles for 14 years and now has been the coach of the Chiefs as well. And uh, Nick Serrani, who's the head coach of the Eagles, uh, was an assistant under Andy Reid in Kansas City. And then we've got Jason Kelsey, a Hall of Fame center with the Eagles, going against his uh, future Hall of Fame brother, tight end, Travis Kelsey of the Eagles. And also, guys, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, the first all-African-American uh, quarterback Super Bowl matchup as well. Uh, so many great stories. Really looking forward to it. And uh, CDP is going to give you my Super Bowl prediction. Of course, being an Eagles fan, I'm picking the Eagles to win this game. Philadelphia 30, Kansas City 27. Jake Elliott will hit the game-winning field goal. And my Super Bowl MVP, guys, mark my words, is going to be Hassan Reddick. The former Arizona Cardinal Temple University native Hassan Reddick will be the Super Bowl MVP. And my axe factor for this game for the Philadelphia Eagles is going to be Kenneth Gainwell. Kenneth Gainwell, X Factor, Super Bowl MVP, Hassan Reddick, and Jake Elliott is going to hit the game winning field goal. Eagles win 30 to 27 over the Chiefs, and it'll be Philadelphia's second Super Bowl in five years as well. Before we wrap this show up, guys, uh, I'm just going to finish up here. Just give me one second. Also, I wanted to mention that Adam's podcast is on Apple, Google, Spotify podcast under the name, the lacrosse matrix podcast as well. Please check out his uh, podcast. It's an audio one. And uh, it's, uh, I think his next episode, he said was this Friday as well. And also guys, you can check out the national lacrosse league at NLL. 
Sports.com as well. And again, you can follow Adam on Twitter at Adam Levi Sports as well. Live with CDP Sports Talk is live streamed on five platforms on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn. And I want to say thank you to everybody for watching me on these five platforms as well. And also, you guys can check out my website, beacons.ai slash Chris DePame. All my work and previous podcast shows are on that website as well. As always, Live with CDP Sports Talk is sponsored by Barry Collins Chevrolet Dealership at 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. Check out barrycollin.com for the newest selection of new and pre-owned GM vehicles or give them a call at 519-824-0210 or give them an email at info at as well. You guys can also follow CDP here on TikTok at Live with CDP. I post a lot of content there as well. And I will be on TikTok Live during the Super Bowl between Philadelphia and Kansas City this Sunday afternoon as well. StreamYard is the official live stream provider of Live with CDP Sports Talk podcast. If you're into webinars or podcasting, I recommend StreamYard, a great professional product look and great customer service with StreamYard as well. And finally, guys, live with CDP Sports Talk, uh, the audio version is downloaded to iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, CastBox, LinkedIn, Stitchered, and tuned in, and I have an audience in now 24 countries across the world listening to my uh, audio podcast, and I want to say thank you to everyone listening by audio or watching this on live stream as well. And also, guys, you can follow me on these platforms on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and also please subscribe to my YouTube channel, Chris Pame, or Live with CDP Sports Talk as well. And you guys can also follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, type in Chris Pame. I post a lot of content there as well. And any, any questions, comments, uh, please email me at cpame19 at gmail.com regarding my uh, podcast show here, Live with CDP Podcast. So cpame19 at gmail.com. And before we wrap it up, guys, I'm just going to put this ticker up again. I want to say thank you again to Adam Levi, uh, a contributing writer with the NL, for coming on Season 5, Episode 25 today. And uh, my next live with CDP Sports Talk, brought to you by Barry Cullen Chevrolet, will be Monday, February 13th at 5 p.m. Eastern, again with Tanner Stuckman. He's a six foot nine forward from Quincy, Illinois, uh, with the uh, National Basketball League of Canada's Windsor Express. So I'm looking forward to speaking uh, to Tanner about his college and now pro career with the Windsor Express as well. And also, guys, check out NBL action tonight on NBLC TV uh, with the Windsor Express at home taking on the new Finland uh, TBL team. Again, my friend Aaron Sanders and the voice of the NBL of Canada, Aaron Sanders, will be calling that game with his color analyst, uh, Drake, as well. So, all right. Uh, again, thank you, everybody, for watching live with CDP Sports Talk, brought to you by Barry Collins Chevrolet. And we'll see you guys uh, Monday at 5 o'clock for Season 5, Episode 26, live with CDP Sports Talk. Again, 
Go Birds, Fly Eagles Fly, and looking forward to celebrating a second uh, Super Bowl championship in five years for the Eagles. It should be a great Super Bowl game, guys, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it as well. I hope everybody has a great evening, enjoys the rest of the week, and also enjoys Super Bowl 57 Sunday night from Glendale, Arizona, uh, State Farm uh, Stadium between the Eagles and the Chiefs. Have a great evening, everybody, and we'll see you guys Monday night at 5 o'clock with another edition of Live with CDP Sports Talk.